If you're listening to this podcast, chances are it's because you feel like you learned next to nothing about your body. While cyclical health is largely missing from our education, so is vaginal health. In this episode, I bring Dr. Janelle Howell to the podcast to demystify vaginal health, pelvic health, and beyond. Welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and the leading expert in women's cyclical health and menstruation. Let's get started. Hi, beautiful friends. Welcome back to the podcast. If you've been following me for a little while, you know that I am passionate about demystifying subjects that have been deemed as taboo. And few subjects are as taboo as reproductive health and specifically vaginal health. How many of us have owned a vagina for 20, 30, 40 years and beyond, and yet still felt confused when it comes to really caring for this part of our body? A lot of us have probably had questions around pubic hair. How do you actually clean your vagina? Is there a good underwear? What should a vagina smell like? What is normal when it comes to cervical mucus? These are things we all live with every single month, and yet probably we've never felt like we had a real expert to ask these questions. This is why I was over the moon ecstatic to bring Dr. Janelle Howell to the podcast. If you don't follow her on Instagram, she is the vagina rehab doctor and what a queen she is. She is a doctor of physical therapy and she specializes in women's health and pelvic health. She is a vagina gospel preacher and an advocate for all things vaginal education and confidence. Not only is she an incredible, brilliant human being with so much wisdom to share, but she does it in a way that feels fun, empowering, and exciting. This episode is jam-packed with amazing information about your pelvic health and your vaginal health. Dr. Janelle also broke down the biggest misconceptions or myths about vaginal health and what we really can all do every single day to have a happy, balanced vagina. You're going to love this episode. Be sure to tag us on Instagram after you're done listening if you're also passionate about making conversations like this normal and ending the taboo energy around reproductive health. Hi, Janelle. It's an honor to have the vagina rehab doctor on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Cassandra. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to getting into the conversation today. I know it's going to be a good one, and I've got so many good questions for you. It's kind of a rare moment, honestly, when we feel like we can talk about vaginal health and especially have the advice from an expert like yourself. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm excited to learn from you as well. I've been been following you on Instagram for several months and I love your energy, the advice you give and your realness. You keep it very (laughs) genuine and authentic. So I'm sure we're going to feed off of each other very well today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm interested to hear about your story and becoming a doctor of physical therapy, but what specifically made you decide to focus in on the pelvis and vaginal health? Was it something that spurred from your own personal experience? So I actually got into women's health physical therapy, also known as pelvic physical therapy, not really from anything personally that I experienced, but just I felt like I wasn't really mastering anything um, because when you go into physical therapy and you do orthopedics, you tend to just do the whole body. So it's like, I'm treating your low back pain. I'm treating your foot. I'm treating your toe tomorrow. <laughs> I'm treating your neck next week. And so I just felt like I wasn't really becoming an expert on anything. Um, I eventually got an opportunity during a travel assignment because I was doing travel and physical therapy for a couple of years. And my recruitment told me um, about a women's health contract. And so I was like, okay, put me in. I really want to do this. I'm going to try my best, you know, catch on and and do this. And I completely fell in love with it. Mm. I continued to just keep renewing that contract for like a year straight. And I eventually said, okay, I'm going to just go ahead and specialize. Um, So I moved to Chicago two years ago, went to Loyola, got my specialty degree, and now I'm board certified as a women's health physical therapist. Wow. And I'm sure you have learned so much on the job too, where everyone that comes to you, I'm sure presents with their own unique specialization, you know, and what they need with their pelvic health or their vaginal health. How has your approach changed over the years? Well, it's definitely shown me that the whole body is one. Mm. Um, While I do specialize and take a closer look at the pelvis and the vagina, I mean, I've seen people to where I can definitely connect the dots between, you know, their low back pain and their pelvic pain or their posture and their vaginal health. 
So um, that's one way in which I've tried to remind myself to look at the full picture. Um, because while vaginal health or pelvic physical therapy seems very focused and streamlined, it's still just one, you know, one room in, in the house of the whole body. Um, mm. and so that's one thing that I really try to keep in mind because, hey, when you love treating vaginas, you can just start focusing <laughs> just on the vagina. <laughs> and I you sure. have to remember that it's attached to a person. <laughs> so um, that's one thing that I always try to do that may be a little bit different from others is just treat holistically. Mm -hmm. And you do that so well, even on Instagram, you know, you're constantly talking about even, you know, your digestion and if you're pooping regularly and how that also feeds into vaginal health. So I love that you don't focus on any one small part of the body and instead you show how integrative everything is. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You, you mentioned the word poop and I'm just like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I really... (laughs) It's really sad, honestly, that a lot of people don't pay any attention to their bowel movements. And the, you, you know, the rectum is right behind the vagina. <laughs> it's like, they are close. They are like best friends. <laughs> if you are not pooping regularly with ease, not pushing your poop out, it is going to weaken your pelvic floor. It can lead to vaginal muscle straining, hemorrhoids. All of the things that no one wants. And when your poop is healthy, it's generally an indication that you're eating well. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely going to impact vaginal health as well. So you are right on the money. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's all important, not just one thing. Exactly, exactly. Well, I want to talk about the pelvis here in a minute, because I think that's such a unique, you know, element you bring to all of this. And I'm, I know I'm going to learn a lot. But before we do that, can we hyper-focus on vaginal health for a minute? Yes, I think focus. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of us are vagina owners, and yet we don't know, you know, the, we don't know our anatomy. We don't know how to care for it. We're douching and using these super, you know, intense soaps. What is like the, the vaginal owner 101 manual? Ooh, that, girl, you know there's going to be a lot in that manual, right? <laughs> um, but- I would say some of the, the misconceptions are that you have to do a lot in order to maintain a healthy, happy vagina. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe that we've gotten it wrong over the years that while there's so many products out there, I mean, we are truly ambushed by so many, this smell and this wash and this, this mm-hmm. doom. And there's so many different things out there that you can start to believe that you have to do all of that in order to maintain a healthy and happy vagina. And the reality is that the more that you're doing is probably actually creating a health hazard. Hmm. Um, You don't need anything that has smell. If it's foamy and and sudsy and it it smells amazing, it's probably not the best for you. Uh, These cute, cheap panties that are not made of cotton are not healthy as well. There's just so many different things. Uh, Flavored lube. That's horrible. Why, why do you need your lube to smell like strawberry banana? Like there's no reason. That's a fragrance. So that's a toxin. Yeah. And so, I, um, you know, I, I'm going to go off on a tangent if I don't catch myself here. But I really, I really think that we, we forget that our bodies are divine. Our bodies are amazing. It knows how to clean itself. The vagina is literally self-cleaning. Mm-hmm. And while the vulva does need some help, because we do have sweat glands and things, we don't need as, as much as we think. Um, and so that's one of the things that I like to try to tell people is that your vulva doesn't need perfume. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need deodorant. Those things are actually going to weaken the vaginal immune system. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay away from those products. Ultimately, people want to make money. Yeah. Um, even the products that are deemed for health at the, at the end of the day, their ultimate, uh, purpose is to make money. Um, and so I think that's really something that we have to come to grips with. Yeah. That's another thing I wanted to ask you, you know, there's so many weird things that we're taught about vaginas, you know, that they're supposed to smell like roses, that pubic hair is, you know, bad or gross and you have to remove it all you know, like these messages come to us at such a young age that no wonder we're all, you know, in our 30s, 40s and beyond 
absolutely confused as to what we're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. <laughs> I meet so many people online. I know that's an oxymoron, meeting someone online. <laughs> because even Cassandra, we've met online. <laughs> we're but, friends. Yeah, yeah. We're so cool with each other. <laughs> but I meet a lot of people online who, who are just like, wow, I'm 50 and I'm just learning that I'm actually not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just now learning the purpose of pubic hair. I think a lot of us just thought that pubic hair was just an inconvenience. You know, it's a mistake. I don't know why it's here, but it's not supposed <laughs> to be here. Um, actually it is. And, um, I think that we have to, a lot of unlearning to do in the world of vaginal health, mm-hmm. right? Even things, even for people who love us, but they didn't know better, yeah. right? Told us different things like go pee just in case, you know, that is actually not what you're supposed to do, <laughs> mm. you know? And then as we get older, before we leave the house, we're peeing two, three times before we leave the house. Uh, because we learned that growing up and that can actually lead to poor bladder control because you're literally teaching your bladder not to be able to control a larger amount of fluid. So then mm-hmm. now when you go out, your bladder is going to act like it wants to empty because it's not used to actually filling and controlling a larger amount of urine. So hmm. a lot of the things that we do, um, I think we learn them from a pure heart but it was from a place of miseducation and misunderstanding. Yes. Um, and so I think we have a lot of work to do. We've kind of got to put, you know, our foot to the plow and unlearn many of the things that we didn't really study or question. We just accepted them because we thought that that's what we were supposed to do. Yes. Um, so that's that's a, a, a an area on my heart that I'm really passionate about. It's just all the things that we actually should stop doing like yesterday. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Thank you. Seriously. (laughs) Um, So it sounds like our biggest myths then so far is that cheap panties, they've got to go there just because they're cute doesn't mean they're good for your vaginal health. Well, let me, okay. So I'm all for things that are affordable. So let me clear things up. (laughs) (laughs) um, When they are synthetic, Uh like nylon, polyester, um, rayon, those things are not going to allow uh, the moisture to be wicked away and it's going to trap moisture mm-hmm. and bacteria loves moisture. Anything that's living needs water. Um, and so it's the same thing for us. We have to drink plenty of fluids, bacteria, they need moisture to, to grow and to multiply. So as so many people out there struggling with recurrent yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis. And so if you don't have proper ventilation down there, it's going to be a lot easier for that bacteria to just have a party. Mm-hmm. They're just like, woo! It's like the water down here. Let's do our <laughs> thing, y'all. And then the next thing you know, you have another yeast infection or something else. So that's one of the reasons why I say try to stick to 100% cotton. If you can't, at least the lining should be cotton. But, but for the most part, ideally, we want to be using um, not synthetic uh, materials to be going on our vulva. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question then. One of the listener questions, I'm going to bring this one up here before the end. They asked, is going commando really beneficial for vaginal health? So it sounds like maybe. Oh my gosh. Uh, Cassandra, you know what I, you know what it is. Cause you follow <laughs> me and you know what, in my stories, I always tell my vagina CEOs, get naked when you get home, <laughs> get naked. Take your panties off, really. It's it's really beneficial. It's medicinal. It's therapeutic to get that ventilation through there. And uh, the bacteria that typically will lead to an infection, whether it's UTI, yeast infection, BV, even the bacterial strains that lead to STIs and STDs, um, they cannot grow and replicate in the presence of oxygen. Hmm. So when you, when you take off your panties and you actually can feel the air flowing through there, you know, someone's going to listen to this and going to set themselves right in front of a fan. They're just going to open their legs and like, <laughs> they're going to put the fan on themselves. But the point is we need, uh, we need that ventilation. I call it vaginal ventilation. So mm-hmm. there's no need to have tight panties, tight yoga pants on, tight jeans on when you're in your home. You know, your home is your haven. You know, you don't have to do that. 
So when you come home, I mean, as long as you're not on your cycle and you don't have a million kids running around, <laughs> you can take off your panties. And if you can't get naked, you can at least put on a robe and underneath, you know, have things actually getting some ventilation. All right. That's it. It's going to be bras off, panties off. First thing <laughs> when you come home, I'm going to say Janelle said so. <laughs> there you go. Take those panties off. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, yeah, it makes sense that that would be beneficial, but I didn't know that it it really is that good, like that ideal to get those very good. Yeah. Especially yoga pants. You know, a lot of us the last year and a half have lived in active wear basically. Right. And it's great. But when you're at home, really, that that's the time to really say, okay, I'm going to let that area of my body get oxygen. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the life source. I mean, we die without oxygen. So it can really help to preserve and even prevent some problems down there. Fascinating. Okay. Doctor's orders, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. So we, we, we went deeper into that one myth. So, okay. You can wear the cute panties, but they need to be cotton, no synthetic. Yeah. Uncomfortable materials. Okay. Real deal guys. The real deal. Or better yet, throw them away. Go commando. (laughs) That's true. Well, so when when you're out, though, it it can be a little bit of too much friction Mm -hmm. if you don't have your underwear on. So underwear is helpful. I just think that, you know, it doesn't need to be on all the time. Or Mm -hmm. like, that's a perfect time to go commando. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So that was one big myth. Uh, Let's see. Another myth you've already touched on is pubic hair, that you need to wax it, shave it all off. It sounds like there's actually benefit to why why there's hair there in the first place. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So good. And that's something I can relate to because I actually have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm -hmm. And for, you you know, you're the the menstruation queen. (laughs) You know that what that means is that typically that there's higher amounts of testosterone in the mm-hmm. blood for, for those of us who have PCOS. So that means that you can have a little bit more hair on the body, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, on your chin or between the breast or on your lower belly. And so for me, like ever since I was little, I've just been more hairy than my friends. Mm-hmm. And it, it has been a source of... Um, it hasn't really made me that confident, you know, especially growing up, everything was waxed, no hair here, the hairier mm-hmm. you are, the manlier you are, you know? And so I didn't really develop a healthy, um, esteem when it comes to that. As I've gotten older, you know, I'm confident now, but as I'm learning more about vaginal health, I've learned that actually pubic hair has a phenomenal purpose. And that is that it can help to reduce friction during sex. So there's going to be less of that rubbing sensation on your vulva because that skin down there is sensitive. Mm-hmm. It's thinner than the other parts of our body. The skin there is thinner. It's more permeable. So it's easier for bacteria to get through. And that is another thing of what the pubic hair does. It, it can trap bacteria and prevent it from going into the vaginal canal. Um, so it's going to do a lot of things that's actually great. It also signifies that you are closer to your reproductive years. Like if you look at a five-year-old, she's not going to have pubic hair. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at a 90-year-old, probably not going to have pubic hair as well. And so it's, it's really something that we have to say, it's not a wrong or right. If you get rid of your pubic hair, that's definitely not wrong. It's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. If that makes you feel more confident or you just like it like that, then great. But then we, we shouldn't be shaming people and say that you're dirty or you're not taking care of yourself if someone wants to maintain their pubic hair when in reality it's healthier to have it. So, so interesting. Yeah. 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 I don't know where this obsession with, you know, everyone needs to be wax down there to be associated with being clean, but it's such a strange thing. Yeah. And many of the hair removing, um, products can lead to an infection. I have a lot of people that send me messages online and they're just like, Hey, I keep getting a yeast infection after I go get waxed. Hmm. Like, why don't you stop waxing? (laughs) (laughs) Because they put sugar in this stuff. There's sugar in wax. They have sugar molecules in nair. People put nair down there. So now 
the yeast is literally getting happy again. They're having a party again because they love simple sugars. And this is what is going to feed the infection. It's going to make it happen way quicker if you feed the bacteria. And so, I mean, that's just another reason as to why you should probably look at other options, at least if you do want to remove your hair, um, as opposed to waxing and putting things down there that have glycerin, sugar, glycerol, and other forms of sugar. This is wild. Who thought it was a good idea to put sugar <laughs> in that? Like, I mean, wow. you surprised. Wow. Everybody wants it to smell like candy down there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then that's a whole other thing. Everyone's concerned about the way their vagina smells, and we are all led to believe, you know, that's another myth. It needs to smell like petunias, roses, daisies. Yeah. What should a healthy vagina smell like? A healthy vagina, it depends. It'll smell like a lot of different things. And that's the thing is that we are complex beings. <laughs> we have like, I mean, we're on the Menstruation Queens podcast. <laughs> we have a cycle, right? So different times of the month, it will actually smell different. And, and even before you're on your period, it can have more of a metallic smell. Right. If your period is just starting, but you don't even know it yet or it's ending, it can have that smell. Um, if you are, um, it can also smell like nothing. If you just come out of the shower mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's going to smell very similar to any other body part. And so I like to remind people that the vulva is like the second armpit. I mean, it's lots of hair down there. It's lots of sweat glands. It's closed. It's dark. And so it's going to sweat. It's going to develop an odor just like any other body part. Mm. Now, you will start to worry if it's smelling like really fishy or if it's extremely foul. I'm not talking about just regular body odor that Mm. happens when you get sweaty and when you haven't showered for a couple of days. I'm talking about something that smells like, hmm, there's a health problem. Yeah. And that is a very distinct smell. And unless it has that foul, fishy smell that is hard to manage, meaning you shower and within one to two hours, it's back again and it's strong, then you're probably smelling just fine. And I think people need to become more confident in themselves and not think that they have to try and cover up a natural smell. Because then you don't even know when something is wrong because you're covering it up with perfumes and with chemicals. Hey friend, you've heard me talk about seed cycling and why it is my favorite all-natural and food-based approach to hormone balance. Nourishing your hormones doesn't have to be complicated, and that's why I'm so excited to partner with Funkit Wellness. Created by a dietitian and with ingredients that are organic, non-GMO, and vegan, Funkit Wellness's seed cycling kits have been part of my daily routine for the last year. Funkit Wellness makes it easy to start seed cycling. With free shipping on all subscriptions, you'll never have to worry about running out of seeds. Every month, there'll be a beautiful package waiting for you on your doorstep. Wondering how simple seed cycling really can be? With Funkit Seed Cycling Kits, simply grab two tablespoons of Nurture during days 1 through 14 of your cycle and two tablespoons of Radiate during days 15 through 28 of your cycle. That's it. It really is that simple to support your hormones and your cyclical health, especially if you've been struggling with PMS, bloat, cyclical acne, or irregular periods, it's time to give seed cycling a try. Go to the link in the show notes below or visit funkitwellness.com and take 15% off your order with code DRC15. That's funkitwellness.com with code DRC15. You know, on that note, people talk about cervical mucus a lot. And where I teach people how to track their cycle, we certainly are like all in the nitty gritties of what their cervical mucus looks like. But that's another area where people think it's bad that they have cervical mucus, not realizing that that's just part of having a vagina and a cervix. Yeah, I I tend to tell people all the time, you know, be happy that your vagina is producing um, milk. No, (laughs) Um, be happy that it's producing discharge. I mean, it's healthy. Again, it's cleaning out your vagina and it's indicating your levels of fertility and different things like that. Um, And so as long as it's not like green discharge or mm-hmm. it's not dark yellow or it's not gray or it's not thick and white like cottage cheese or like thick lotion or something, then it's normal. I mean, it's great. Celebrate it. It's yes. a lot better than it being dry and not having any moisture at all. 
Yes. Well, that's another question someone asked. I'm not doing a good job of keeping all my, <laughs> my listener questions to the end, but oh well. Um, but that that's what they specifically said is after their period ends, their vagina is so dry that intimacy is like impossible. What kind of thoughts do you have around that? Hmm, that's a good question. That sounds to me like there might be some pH um, disturbances going on. Mm. So when we get our period, the vaginal uh, community changes, meaning the bacteria that live inside of our vagina. That's going to decrease by, by the millions. So there is a bacteria in our vagina called lactobacillus that really dominates. That's the main one that prevents infection, um, that helps to keep the odor healthy, that protects the walls of the vagina, that does all the amazing things that we want. When we get our period because of the pH of our blood, which is more closer to like seven, that's going to temporarily disrupt the vaginal canal and the vaginal community. And so if there is not already a healthy level of a pH where your vaginal bacteria are robust, where there's trillions of them, then your period can really throw some things off. And that's mm-hmm. that's one thing with our pH is that if you have a healthy pH, you're actually going to be more likely to have healthy lubrication as well, um, because lactobacillus can influence nitric oxide levels, and that's going to dilate your blood vessels and bring more fluid into the area. And so, if lactobacillus is not really controlling things, you know, like head honcho in town, um, then when the period comes, then things can be a little bit more disrupted. So I would say to that person, uh, order some vaginal pH test strips online and you can test your pH at home. And if it's not between um, 3.8 to 4.5, if it's higher than that, then you want to do some work, start working on your diet, start changing what type of underwear you're wearing. Mm -hmm. Maybe start using condoms with sex to prevent semen from disrupting the pH. I'm really just trying to create a whole kind of reset to see if you can balance that pH. And I think that those issues will resolve when that gets in order. That's fascinating. Yeah, that makes me want to buy little strips. I've actually never done that just to check where it's yeah, at. Yeah. yeah. And, and we know you're so healthy that yours is probably going to be fine. <laughs> but yeah, I think everyone should do that. Yeah. And then you've mentioned semen. So is semen typically more alkaline then? Yes, it definitely is. Okay. And so, I mean, our vaginas are similar to that of wine. So pretty acidic. Um, that's why when we're healthy, we're typically not catching infections because mm-hmm. it's so acidic in there that those bacteria don't stand a chance. <laughs> They're just like, we can't survive in here. We're gone. We're dead. Goodbye. Yep. Um, and so that's what happens ideally when we have a good amount of healthy bacteria. Um, but semen on the other hand is not acidic. And, and so it has to be that way though, because sperm wouldn't be able to survive if, if semen was too acidic. Mm-hmm. And so If you do struggle with your vaginal health, semen can definitely be a trigger. A lot of people develop changes and problems after having sex. And that can be a lot of times because sex is unprotected and not with a condom or not Mm. with um, any sort of protection. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So many variables. It's fascinating. Yeah, I know. Sometimes it can seem overwhelming. Like, wow, should I even move a finger? I don't know if it's going to disrupt my vagina. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it can feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I want to ask you about BV, bacterial vaginosis, and yeast infections. I feel like more and more people feel like it's just a reoccurring thing where every month they feel like no matter what they do, bang, it's back. Yep. What do you, where do you start with patients that come to you with that? So I actually don't treat infections. I don't treat them um, because I do pelvic physical therapy. And that is essentially no medications. We're working with just your body, your muscles. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm primarily going to be working with someone who has incontinence. They're peeing their pants. Maybe they have pain with sex. Um, Maybe they just had a baby and they tore. And so they have pain down there. That's primarily what I do. However, I can't really ignore the fact that a lot of people that have a vagina do struggle with infections. So I try to help people from a preventative standpoint, not to treat it actively though. 
Mm-hmm. So if they're having an infection, because I do live in this Western world, I'm going to say, go see a doctor. <laughs> yeah. But if you have already had one though, and you notice that it's recurrent, no matter how many times you take those antibiotics, it keeps coming back. Then I try to help people understand that there are other things that you need to be doing, not just popping a pill. Yeah. And so that's where I come in and kind of educate people on how you can rebuild your vaginal defense system. And that really deals with, again, your diet. Um, When you eat plant foods, you're going to feed healthy bacteria. And so now those bacteria are going to have kids. They're going to have babies. They're just going to be replicating. And that's what secretes the lactic acid and the hydrogen peroxide that keeps our vagina acidic. Mm. So a lot of people want to just rush and do something that's going to introduce some acid in there. And that can be temporarily helpful. And for some people, it can do it. But many times we need to actually work on replenishing the bacteria into the vaginal canal that will help to release those acids that actually keep things in the in the fashion that, that they should be. And that's really acidic in order to prevent things like yeast infections and BV. Mm-hmm. And even for yeast infections, I mean, we can't get around like sugar. Um, the yeast, those the candida albicans, which is the the organism responsible for yeast infection, it feeds on simple sugars. Um, And so we can't ignore what we're eating. We're eating two to three times a day. So it has a really huge impact Mm -hmm. on our vaginal health. So it sounds like, like you're saying, treating it with more acid isn't always the best thing. So I'm guessing boric acid is probably a no from the doc. (laughs) Well, I don't want to say that. (laughs) because sometimes you do need that um, immediate help Mm -hmm. where you're literally, your vagina is being overtaken by bad people, right? They're in control and someone needs to kind of just stop them in their tracks. Okay. So uh, boric acid, of course, as by the name indicates, is acidic. And so it can kill off the bad guys. And many times it can help with... um, kind of extinguishing that bad bacteria a little bit more than these typical medications can, these typical antibiotics can. But I wouldn't stop there for anyone. I, I wouldn't say, well, just use the the boric acid and and that's it. I would still tell them to, to look at things from a more holistic perspective, including sex, food, what you eat, what you're wearing, who you're having sex with. You know, these type of things are going to play a big impact And boric acid is not a vitamin. So it's not something that you should be taking every single month. Mm, Okay. While it can be helpful, you don't want to just keep putting a whole bunch of acid in your vagina. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Because you definitely in the online world, that's the main thing that's usually touted, but it sounds like that could be used, but then really the focus should be on replenishing healthy bacteria levels. Exactly. And, okay. and again, it can't, it has been extremely helpful for a lot of people. But what I see happening is that many people are using this like it's vitamin C. Like, you know, you're not supposed to take this every day for the rest of your life, or you're not supposed to take this every week, even. You should get to the place where you don't need that. Yes. That, that should be the goal that you don't need to be putting synthetic forms of acid into your body. Um, And so that's what I would encourage if you're using it temporarily because antibiotics have failed you and recurrent infections just keep happening, then yeah, you probably need to try something different. But don't depend on boric acid to kind of be your salvation um, when you really need to be building up your own bodily defenses to be able to live your life without that. Mm-hmm. And that's the holistic approach is what you just said, is not being dependent on these things forever. Exactly. Yeah, they're not meant to, because I think ultimately it can create a negative influence on the vaginal communities. Yes. Right? The same way you wouldn't keep taking antibiotics forever for your whole life. You, if your doctor said, take this antibiotic um, for a week, every time when your period ends, wouldn't you think that that's going to start killing some of your helpful uh, compounds as well? Yeah. So it's the same thing with boric acid. <laughs> you don't want to just be putting that stuff in there on a regular basis. So use it 
for a um, just kind of like as a rescue method if you need to with your doctor's approval and advice. But don't just start popping that in there just because it's getting popular online. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I really wanted to hear your opinion on that because Instagram knows that I like talking about reproductive health. So you better believe my ads. That yeah. <laughs> They're all about this stuff. Like you need boric acid. You need this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so I really want to ask you about how pelvic health plays into all of this. That's an area that I feel like I don't understand nearly enough. So if someone's having an issue with, like you said, incontinence or reoccurring vaginal issues, what does that mean about the pelvis? So we have to remember that the vagina is simply one little canal in the entire building of the pelvis. Mm-hmm. Like it, It's like a little corner in a building. And a lot of us just focus in on the corner because we want a corner that smells good. We want a corner that tastes good. <laughs> we want a corner that gets really wet. And we want all of these things, but we don't, we, we forget about the pelvis. So we have to remember, number one, that the vagina is a muscle, that it's not just a passageway. It's a muscle. So that means it's going to be impacted by the muscular setup, if you will, or the other muscles that surround it. So if your low back is hurting a lot, or if you're having hip pain, all of those regions attach into your pelvis. So they can then impact the level of tightness, weakness, strain, or even pain in the vaginal region. And so that's why I like to tell people, look at all of it. And then when I say pelvis, I'm not even just talking about the bony pelvis. I'm talking about everything that sits inside of your pelvis, your bowels. If you're straining a lot because your poop is so hard, you're pushing, you're pushing so hard, your veins are popping out in your forehead. (laughs) You know, you just never really have a time when you can sit down and just let it out. It's always work. Or even you go days without having a bowel movement. That's going to impact the vaginal canal because now when you you poop, you're straining. And so that's going to be straining everything. It's not like it's going to only strain the rectum. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're, They're connected. They're literally touching each other. The vagina is touching the rectum. And so... Um, I like to tell people, you got to pay attention to your hip, your low back, your food, what you're drinking, um, all of those things, because the vagina is very delicate. Little things can throw it off. And so we have to really pay attention to the house that it lives in. Mm -hmm. So I imagine then, you know, when you're in your office, you're treating people, like you said, with bladder issues, like prolapsed uteruses. What other issues do you treat a lot? Okay, so you said prolapse is one. We definitely, actually, we treat constipation. Mm. So a lot of people think that if you're constipated, then there's something going on with your gut. But many times, or sometimes, it's you're not relaxing the muscles around your anus. That you can be so tense and tight that eventually you can become uncoordinated in your muscle function. Meaning Mm -hmm. you're tightening when you should be letting go and relaxing. And that can cut off the, the, the anal opening. So your poop can't even get out. Wow. So that is an issue that we see. Um, bladder frequency, meaning someone's peeing all the time. I have patients that pee every five minutes. No. Wow. Every 10 minutes, even every hour is a little too soon. So that can be caused by a pelvic floor group that's too tight. Um, uh, this kind of goes into why vaginal tightness is actually not a good thing. Mm. Um, that can lead to urgency with urination, feeling like you're not going to make it to the toilet, um, not being able to have sex because you can't get the object inside of the vagina. Uh, there's so many different things Um but that's prob- those are probably the main ones, like poor bladder control, any type of pain, postpartum weakness, and uh, prolapse, um, and those sorts of things are probably the biggest things that we see going on when it comes to the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. So I guess probably a typical client you might see is someone that is six to 12 months 
um, out from giving or that has just given birth six to 12 months ago. Um, cause I work with a lot of women that, you know, they're just starting to get their periods back and they're, they're going through the the things that I help with, but there's this whole other side where, you know, they feel like they pee their pants if they do a jumping jack. And like you said, they might be constipated. That's definitely the person we want. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, you're, if you're peeing your pants and you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you need pelvic physical therapy. There's really no way around it. I know sometimes it's difficult because for whatever reason, maybe you can't get to therapy, whether it's too far away and you live in a really small town or you don't have the financial capabilities mm-hmm. or something like that. But just know that that is going to be your ideal situation. There's ways to work around it. Of course, you can go on YouTube and look at videos from pelvic physical therapists. You can follow pelvic physical therapists online. You can research and read, but ideally you need professional one-on-one help if you are peeing your pants. And if it's happening, I would say greater than after three months of delivery, mm-hmm. then it's probably not going to get better on its own. Wow. So okay. within the first couple of weeks, it's pretty normal. Okay. But now when you've had your baby and it's been at least three months ago, then I, I actually think you need therapy. What does care for that look like? Is there like a a general amount of time that would take for someone to feel balanced in their pelvis again? Sure. Great question. So it can take a little bit more for some people and some of, you know, other people, they get better in a month or two. So generally speaking, the average is probably about three months, but it can be even longer depending on how long you've been having the leakage and how um, advanced it is. Like if you're just soaking through a pad or if you're you know, you're peeing on yourself and you have to change your underwear, then of course that might take a little bit more time mm-hmm. for someone who's just kind of leaking a little bit when they sneeze or cough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I say on average, definitely you're going to be there probably for at least a couple of months. Okay. Do you feel like you see these issues also in, in people that haven't given birth that just have a weak pelvic floor to begin with? Oh, yes. You're asking all the right questions. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Cassandra, I see people that are 16 years old and they're leaking. Wow. I mean, I have patients in their 20s and they're leaking that they leak with anxiety. Um, If they're really stressed or they're worried about something that they'll have this urge to go pee and then they start leaking. Um, So you don't have to have had a baby. You don't have to be 60. You don't have to have some major life traumatic event. The, the muscles can be too tight. They can be too weak. You can have pain in your pelvis. All of these things can actually lead to poor bladder control. And so we're going to work with you on normalizing your muscle function. If your muscles are too restricted, tight, and tense, we want to relax, stretch through manual therapy, meaning we're going to use our hands the same way we'll work on your low back if your low back's hurt. Um, we're going to give you exercises. We're going to work with you on your posture and different things that you should probably be including in your diet to help with constipation or with bladder, um, irritation. And so it's, it's a whole process, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that is just what you need. Don't ignore it. Um, it's not going to be good for your vulva if it's constantly in contact with urine. Urine is is acidic. Urine is strong. It's going to irritate your skin. Um, And so you don't want to ignore that. And you don't want to just depend on pads forever when you can actually do something about it. Yeah, that's this is such a inspiring conversation because I can think of so many women in my life that they do think this is their new norm because they've had babies or because of, you know, their age or whatever. So I'm thrilled. (laughs) I can be like, listen to this episode, go find a physical therapist and fix it. It doesn't have to be your norm. Yeah. And I think, you know, out of respect, I think there are certain badges that come after you have your baby. You're just like, all right, look at my belly, you know, good and well, I had a baby. Look at these stretch marks. Mm -hmm. So there are certain things where it's like, it's not necessarily something you're proud of, but it's like, this is living proof that I birthed a life. (laughs) I I think that sometimes like leaking and having incontinence and like peeing when you sneeze, Mm -hmm. it's starting to become almost like this bragging right of like having babies. It's just like, oh, 
I had I had three babies or I had a baby, so I, I do this. And it's like, no, that's not a bragging right. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't have to be happening, actually, just because you had kids. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that it should be more of a motivating factor just to invest a little bit more time into your own body, into your own health, um, because it is essentially a sign that your pelvic floor is under a lot of stress and it's not able to control pressure. Mm-hmm. If you ignore that for years and years on end, it can lead to more serious problems um, like a prolapse or like other issues that you really would have liked to prevent if you could have. Yeah. So for all of us listening, are there little things we can do in our lifestyle to support our pelvic health? Oh my gosh, there's so many different things that you can do. Um, I think the number one thing that a lot of people are not doing is educating themselves. I think that a lot of us are looking for a a life-changing product. You know, we're looking for some sort of Kegel weight. We're looking for a cream. We're looking for something that will help Mm -hmm. with lubrication. But if you don't know how your body is functioning, really what's going on on the inside, why your muscles are doing what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to be doing, then you're going to be really confused with all of the products out there because you're not going to know what you do and don't need. And and so you can start losing out on a lot of money. Um, You can start having false expectations, like talking about odor and things that are actually normal. Um, if you're not educated, you're going to you're gonna be pretty vulnerable to pelvic floor dysfunction mm-hmm. simply because you don't understand what to do. And so I think that's one of the best things is educating yourselves, reading, studying your own body, doing a vulva check, actually looking at your vaginal opening, your, your vulva area, um, talking to different people, advocating for yourself reading different books that you can get your hand on. That's great. Um, I definitely say that. And then the next thing I would say is uh, love yourself, love your vulva and your vagina, Mm. accept it, speak positively to yourself, you know, embrace your health. Don't think that you have to look like someone else or that it has to smell like air freshener um, or just different things that are actually very harmful and toxic to your to your psyche. Um, so loving your vulva and your vagina is, is huge. Um, and definitely developing like a passionate relationship with nutrition and food. Um, I, I think that that's very essential, vital to health. There's no part of the body that doesn't feed off of the gut. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no part, not your brain, not your joints, um, not your bottom. Everything um, is connected to what we put inside of ourselves. So that definitely includes the vaginal system. Um, And the last thing that I would say is um, get pelvic therapy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I think I should. If you think you should, you probably should. (laughs) And so get the help that you need if you're able to afford it, if you're able to do that, um, get the help that you deserve it. You're worth it. Um, You deserve this and you need this. So that's what I would say to those who want to really unleash a little bit more vaginal health and fitness. Amazing. And those are all so doable. None of that was complicated or anything. That's stuff we can all do. Oh yeah, most definitely. And, and if it's, Sometimes things are so complicated that we don't even know where to start. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh man, I got to do that in this what phase? I know, I know one thing. I'm trying to remember these different phases of the menstrual cycle. <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, I, I don't remember. All I know is the one that after your period ends, that's the one I love. <laughs> that's all I know. Hey, that's all you need to know. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I do think that sometimes it can get complicated, but keep it simple. The the vagina actually does a lot of things that you don't even know that it's doing for you. Just try to support what it's already doing on its own. Um, So yeah, the the body will support you if you support it. Beautifully said. Okay. I've got some listener questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Well, one you started to allude to, but we haven't really talked about it. One person asked, what could it mean if sex has become extremely painful? Wait, did you say a listener question? 
Yes. <laughs> Does that mean the person is listening right now? No. <laughs> no, but I had to brag that you're coming on the podcast. Oh, so I've got some okay, questions. Okay. okay. So here's the thing with painful sex. Um, it can mean that your pelvic floor muscles, which are the muscles at the base of your pelvis, that include the inside of the vagina, around the anus, the muscles that support your uterus, your rectum, and your bladder, those muscles could be developing tightness or pain, right? Whether they're too restricted or whether there's like trigger points in there, the same way you get like a knot in your neck or your low back, you can develop those areas of tightness in your pelvic floor. However, pain with sex really deserves a medical appointment because it can be so many different things happening. Mm -hmm. So I don't typically just assume, oh, you need pelvic physical therapy just because I'm a pelvic physical therapist. Um, Many times it can be your ovaries. Do you have ovarian cysts? Or if someone has endometriosis, maybe they're having a flare or, you know, it could be something going on with the cervix. Mm -hmm. Um, or it can mean that you're under a little bit more stress and you're more guarded and your muscles are just tighter now. You don't realize that you're holding stress and tension in your pelvis. Um, there's different, there's dryness, right? Are you well aroused? Are you using lubricant? Mm-hmm. So I, I personally don't like to just tell people, oh, it's this. Mm-hmm. Because sex is very complicated. Yeah. The uterus, ovaries, cervix, and vagina can be contributing to pain. And so if you go to a doctor, they can help rule out some of those other bigger problems like dealing with the uterus or the cervix or the ovaries. And if it's not that, then I would start to look at the pelvic floor, meaning the muscles that are actually um, really in direct contact during sexual intercourse. That was an amazing question and an amazing answer. Um, Yeah. So basically, like you said, explore what it could be because it's probably not just one random thing. Right. Yeah. There's no there's no way to know. I love social media because, you know, we're talking about everything. But a, a in-person one on one visit where you're getting objective tests and measures done imaging that mm-hmm. can't be replaced. Yeah. And so if if that is what's needed, then sometimes you just need to go get that information. And if all that stuff comes back normal then you can start looking at your muscular system and thinking, oh, maybe my pelvic floor muscles are creating the problem. Okay. Amazing. Uh, Okay. Here's another question for you. Someone said, what is the best way to wash my vagina? I use a natural olive oil soap that I make, but when I read things on the internet, I wonder if that's actually not good. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so I'm not sure what they're putting in the soap aside from olive oil, Yeah. but for the most part to keep things simple, there's different answers out there, right? You have people that will say only use water, only use water because the vagina cleanses itself. Someone else is going to be like, I'm sorry, what? Only use water. I need a little bit more, (laughs) right? So, um, the, the, the answer is directly around your vaginal opening and between the labia, like the labia minora, the the lips that are surrounding the vagina, that actually does not need a soap. So that can be cleaned with just water and a washcloth. I'm not suggesting you just take a finger and dab it with water. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. probably won't do the trick. But you would be surprised because, again, there's, there's hydrogen peroxide, there's lactic acid, and even the pH of your skin down there between the folds. I'm not talking about the outer labia that has hair covering it. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about between the folds. That skin is very acidic as well. So it's going to start squeaking pretty soon, even with just water and a washcloth. Okay. For the outer labia where you have your hair, um, the outer lips, so you will. I suggest a fragrance-free soap. Fragrance-free, glycerin-free if you can. If it has glycerin in it, it definitely needs to be without a scent, without perfume. Okay. So if it has a flavor, don't use it. <laughs> That's solid advice. That's just yeah. like vagina advice 101. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's hard, true. Sometimes it's hard to accept. 
Yeah. But the truth is, is that those products can weaken the wall or the barrier system for the vaginal canal. And you want that barrier as tight and as strong as possible so that you can prevent infections, dryness, irritation. So these soaps, I mean, their pH is like 11. And your pH is supposed to be 3.8 to 4.5. Wow. You definitely don't want to just be setting up right outside of the vaginal opening between the labia. That can, um, you can go symptom free doing that for a while. But ideally, it's just not going to support your natural vaginal environment. And if you definitely struggle with your vaginal health, I tell people to get rid of that soap, especially the ones that are marketed as feminine hygiene. Those are Mm -hmm. the worst ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And and go on to something that is mild, that is is scent-free, and only use water uh, between the folds. Okay. Uh, On that note, someone asked about smegma, which... I had never actually heard that term, but it's like when things build up between the folds, like around the clitoris, Mm -hmm. what could that indicate if someone presented with that? So Cassandra, I'm with you. I am actually in this field and I just heard of smegma. (laughs) Okay. I feel better. I was like, what? I just heard of smegma like a month ago. (laughs) Sometimes people send me questions and I'm just like, hold on, let me go Google. (laughs) Let me go look this up. Uh, but essentially, it's just like an oily, white, kind of creamy buildup, mm-hmm. almost like waxy a little bit. And it just means you're producing a little bit more oil. Again, there's a lot of sweat glands in the vulva or on the vulva. And so it can, some people do, uh, produce more oil, right? Some people have oily skin. And so that is natural. I suggest to people, a washcloth in water, just mm-hmm. wipe it off. Or if you have um, a, a unscented wipe that you'll walk around with and, and use that to, you might just have to wipe things down a little bit sooner than someone else, but it's not like a health concern or something to be uh, worried about. Okay. Amazing. And I, yeah, I was like, this is a weird word, a smegma. <laughs> Feel better now. Okay. One last question. This person asked, uh, when my partner releases in me, so ejaculates in me in the earlier half of my cycle, everything is fine. But in the second half of my cycle, I get a burning sensation. Oh, like, is she, are we talking about on the period? Uh, I think she means before her period, but like, um, I guess she's just trying to say it's cyclical that sometimes he can ejaculate. She feels fine. Other times it like it sounds like burns her inside. So is that a pH thing? I personally believe it is that I'm starting to become like pH crazy. Everything's about pH for me. <laughs> but when someone has it like that and they're telling me that it's connected to like when their cycle is happening, then I'm thinking that the hormones are driving um, uh, the decrease in amount of those protective bacterias that help mm-hmm. with the pH balancing, with even uh, lubrication and all of that. So I would suggest avoiding internal ejaculation during those time periods or because some religions don't believe in avoiding internal ejaculation, um, avoiding intercourse during that time. Mm -hmm. And while you're avoiding intercourse during that time, I don't suggest avoiding it forever. Like I I would never tell someone, never have sex again because it burns, (laughs) right? But if you're going to be avoiding it, you need to be doing things that help to replenish your vaginal defense system. So again, we're talking about maybe probiotics for a while. We're talking about including more healthy carbs, like maybe more whole grain, maybe more rice, quinoa, um, taking vitamins, likely vitamin C, working on building your immune system so that your bacteria and your immune system is working a little bit more strongly for you so that you don't have those issues. But I would avoid it if it's currently burning. Mm-hmm. Um, I would try to avoid that for, for now. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. This is the coolest conversation. I'm like, everyone deserves this. They deserve to talk about vaginal health for an hour of their life <laughs> with an amazing human and just yeah, finally feel like some of those final dots are connecting, like everything's yeah. starting to make sense. Most definitely. Hey, if you have a vagina, you deserve to know what's going on inside of this 
vaginal world. I really think it's like a world down there. <laughs> There's so many things happening and you deserve to know. Yeah. So for everyone that now is eager to learn more and finally feels fed up with the fact that none of us learned anything about our reproductive <laughs> system, um, where can people connect with you and learn from you? And do you have programs or anything about the pelvis and vaginal health? Sure. So my main um, channel of education is Instagram. And you can find me on there at Vagina Rehab Doctor. Vagina Rehab Doctor online uh, with Instagram. It's my main community. Um, I also have a website, VaginaRehabDoctor.com. And then I'm trying to build my Facebook community (laughs) slowly but surely. So I actually have a a Facebook call, uh, account called Vagiphone, <laughs> V-A-G-I-P-H-O-N-E. And I'm really just encouraging people to speak more loudly into the phone when it comes to their vaginal health, not to be ashamed of your vaginal health, to really unmute yourself and to advocate for yourself. So that was the idea behind Vagiphone. Um, I host a class every six weeks, approximately, something dealing with vaginal health. So if you're following me on Instagram, you'll always be in the know on that. So stay tuned and follow me on there just to learn more about the next topic that will be coming up soon. Amazing. Well, you are such a wealth of wisdom and such a beautiful human inside and out. And I'm so grateful that we finally got to connect. And now I can be like, I know her. <laughs> We're Instagram friends. Yes. I'm going to say the same thing about the menstruation thing. <laughs> I had a whole long talk with the girl, Cassandra. Yeah. <laughs> We hashed it up for a full hour. So thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to uh, continuing to learn from you online. Thank you. And for everyone listening, if you loved this conversation and think we need to talk about vaginas more often, please share this episode on Instagram and tag me at Menstruation Queen and Janelle at Vagina Rehab Doctor so we can celebrate you. All right, friends. We will see you next week. All right. Bye-bye.